Welcome to the LFC Podcast, where our mission is to make, deploy, and multiply mature and equipped Christ followers. We're grateful for this opportunity to bring you a message of hope, healing, and life transformation today. Enjoy the message. It's Mother's Day. We're going to still be in the Horizon series. We're going to talk about Sarah this morning. We've been hanging out in Genesis, right? Pastor kicked us off in chapters 11 and 12, and then Pastor Christian last week uh, pulled some nuggets of truth from chapter 13, and today we are going to circle around these passages, so I'm going to pick up where he left off. I'm going to move those, because... It's messing up my fin schwa, right? (laughs) So chapter 13, read with me there. Verse 14, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had departed from him, look around from where you are to the north and south to the east and west and all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Now to understand what this means, we're gonna have to go back a chapter, to chapter 12, verse one. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. So Abram and Sarai are going on a journey. They're getting ready to go and Abram says, hey Sarai, hey babe, would you do me a favor? I need you to get a hold of two men in a truck. Let's go ahead and let's save all of our Amazon boxes, have the neighbors keep their newspapers. We might have to get one of those pods for a minute. You take care of all of that. We're going on a journey. Don't know where we're going. That's a nightmare for me. I don't know about you guys, but if my husband were to say that to me, I don't even like to not know where we're going like for dinner or I don't know like what the next day holds. I need a plan. I like a plan. So I think really that's why Sarai or Sarah is in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. That's why that chick got her name written down there because she said, okay, babe, I'll take care of everything. I'll get the things going. We're going to go on a journey. Verse 2, God said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'm going to bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will also curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, this covenant between God and Abram is an unconditional covenant. And what that means basically is God says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And he promises him land and descendants and he promises him blessings for all the people on the earth. And you know what they did? They believed it. They believed God and they obeyed him and they leave their homeland and they leave their family. Now remember Horizon Week One, Pastor talked about Terah. 
That was Abraham's father. Remember how he left? He left Ur of the Chaldeans and he was headed to Canaan, but he stopped halfway. His dad stopped. But what you gotta know also about Terah was that he was an idol worshiper. Terah worshiped idols. And so what that means is that Abraham's spiritual lineage, his inheritance was that of idol worshipers. But God still called Abraham because God's direction and his anointing isn't just for people who have it all together. It's not just for the perfect people or the talented people or, or, or the important people or even for people who come from the right spiritual family. God calls people and uses people of all kinds to fulfill his purposes and he wants to use you. There's something in you that God wants to use. He wants to use you. And so Abram and Sarai, they go and they step out, and they follow God. They don't know where they're going, but they go. And by faith, they travel. Now in Genesis 15, God in his goodness reiterates the covenant once again with Abram and Sarai. He reminds them of it. He says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? Now, Abraham and God, they're friends. Like they have for reals conversation in the Bible. They're in good communication. And so Abram is simply just saying, sovereign Lord, he's all due respect, God. But I'm not sure how this is gonna work out. Help me to figure this thing out. He's in good communication with God. But Sarai, she's, she's troubled. She's struggling with this a little bit. Now we know later in the word, I said it before in Hebrews 11, that she's referred to as a woman of faith. But in reality, it had been a minute since God had given this promise, this covenant to Abram, and she had not been able to yet conceive. But here's the cool thing about God. I think that the very fact that there was no heir was the very thing that God used to get them where they were supposed to be. So what I'm trying to say to you today is this, is that your lack and that your loss may be the greatest thing that could have ever happened to you because had you not gone through it, had you not experienced that lack, you might have never left where you were. And so God uses those things in our lives so that we won't miss the greatness of his plan. Sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes we don't understand that the loss of a relationship or, or the lack of opportunities or why things didn't happen the way that we thought that they would happen, what we thought that they should be. But could it be that those are the very things that God is using that he wants to use in your life to get you on the journey? I say that those setbacks are set ups in God's territory. He has something for you and he's gonna restore you. And he'll give you much more than what you lost in the letdown because he is the God of the impossible. 
He is the God of the impossible. I promise you, he's got more. But right here in this story, where we're at, they do not have a son. They do not have an heir, but they do have a servant. And Abram thinks, well, maybe that's how God's gonna work it out. He says, I've got this guy, this servant, and perhaps he is the one who will inherit all my wealth. They were extremely wealthy. All my wealth. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the stars and count them, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now mark this in your Bible. Do you have your Bible? Get your Bibles, mark it, grab your app, highlight verse six. Abram believed the Lord. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. And I think right there is the key to understanding the whole Bible. That's the key. God spoke something to Abraham. He heard the word of the Lord and by faith, he couldn't see it. He couldn't figure it out. He could not even imagine how in the world all that was going to happen, but he believed God for it. And he was counted righteous because of it. Not because of his works, not because of what he had done. God said it's because he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so by faith, we know Abraham received the promise. But here's the deal. Sarah was the one who was gonna have to carry that promise. Hello? She was gonna have to carry the promise. As a matter of fact, the entire covenant hinges on her fertility. How would you like, ladies, that kind of pressure? That's a lot of pressure. So she started taking her temperature and she got an app on her phone, kept a calendar, and every once in a while when Abram was on his lunch break, he got a text. You better get home, babe. But months, months passed, months passed, and years passed. And God said there would be generations. God said that we would have children. And so Sarai does what most good women would do. They decide to help out a little bit. She decides that God needs her help and she says, God, I realize, I realize that, that this sun and stars and moon, that you spoke that into existence. You are all powerful, Lord. That, that is amazing. And those blue whales, you outdid yourself with those blue whales. Man, they are phenomenal. And by the way, those, those lavender fields, that was a nice touch, God. But, but I don't think you understand how difficult it has been for me to get pregnant. So God, here's what I'm gonna do for you. I'm going to give my maidservant to my husband so that a child can come through them. That's what I'm gonna do and that's what she does. And sure enough, Hagar, the maidservant, gets pregnant. But here's what's interesting, that's okay. We have to understand that was customary in that day and age. 
It was common. It was the norm. But it was not God's plan. And it was not a biblical principle. Do you remember what God said in Genesis? He said, husband and wife, the two shall become one flesh. That is God's plan. But we have things so messed up, don't we? We look to what the world, what is customary in the world, what the world deems as normal, rather than looking at what God's word says should be the norm. Now, when my kids were, were young and they would come to me with for reals question, like we had open conversation in our house. Sometimes it was embarrassing for everybody involved. But we, we just had determined that no matter what, we were gonna let them ask questions. We were gonna talk things out. And we always came to the conclusion that God knew what he was talking about. Despite our opinion, God knew what he was talking about when he wrote the word and that his his way should be the norm. But sometimes as believers, we try to explain, don't we? We try to explain why God does do something or why God doesn't do something. But the word of God says that man's wisdom is foolishness with God. Here are some things that the world says should be the norm. The world says it should be normal for men to wear a dress and paint their nails and wear makeup. That's what they say should be normal. The world says it's okay, it's normal that there is full frontal nudity on television. The world says it should be just fine to use the F word in every conversation that you have. If you don't believe me, turn on one show and every other word is a foul word. It's ridiculous, but that is what the world says is normal. Does not even make sense in context the way that they use this language. The world says if a child is confused about their gender, that it's normal for them to start puberty blockers around the age of eight. The world says that if a child wants to be a different gender, that it's normal for them to start taking hormones at the age of 14. And it's the norm that most genital surgeries, including womb and testicle removal, usually take place at 17 years of age. And not too far from us, a little farther up north, there are countries who are trying to normalize medically assisted suicide for mature minors. That's what the, the world says should be the norm. That's what's customary in our world today. But do you know what the Bible said should be the norm? I'll tell you. It says that miracles should be the norm. It says that addictions being broken should be the norm. The Bible says that strong marriages and healthy families should be the norm. Tithing should be the norm. It should be normal that our students want to be at church on the weekend more so than they want to be out partying with their friends. I think we've got some really cool normal students in our midst. Praying in 
the spirit should be the norm. Responding to the altar call should be the norm. Growing up in the things of God should be the norm. But Sarah, her decision to follow the norm, do you know what it did? It set into motion drama. Drama in her household, drama in in her camp, but it also set into motion drama that we are still feeling today. Because out of Hagar and Abraham's son Ishmael came a line, and what you see going on in the Middle East today has everything to do with Sarah making a decision to do what was customary in her day. So Abraham and her maidservant, they now have a child together. Listen, don't complicate God's promise with your solution. I'm going to say that again. Don't compromise God's promise with your solution. Because now Sarah, she's hurt. And she's disappointed. And she feels as if she has no value and no purpose. But she serves God. But God, he has a way. He has a way of working all things out. He can move things that are immovable. He can break things that are unbreakable. He can take my worst mistakes and your worst mistakes and our biggest failures. Psalm 37 says that the steps of a good man are ordered of God. He is still God and he is ordering your steps and your stops and your trip ups and your mess ups because he can take it all somehow, some way. He can take it all and make it work all together according to his will and to his purpose because he is faithful even when we're not. He's faithful. He's faithful to his promises. Timothy tells us that he's faithful to his word and he cannot deny himself. He can't go back on his word. It's impossible for him. So we can trust him in it all. In Genesis 17, we begin to see the fulfillment of what God promised this family. He promised this family. He again reminds Abram of the covenant. And it's here that he actually changes their names from Abram to Abraham and from Sarai to Sarah. And we know that Abraham means father of multitudes, how fitting according to God's promise. And in verse 16 of chapter 17, God says, I'm gonna bless her. I'm gonna bless her, Sarai, and I'm surely gonna give you a son by her. I promise you this, Abraham, is what God is saying. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. And I love that about God. Don't you just love it that God will reiterate over and over again the promises that he's made us. He reminds us of what he has spoken to us. He promises us that he is faithful. And he says again, Abraham, you receive this this promise, but Sarai, Sarah is going to be the one who will carry it. Don't you know? 
Don't you know that God has a plan for your life? That God has a place of purpose for you and for your family? But here's the thing about it, it's not just for you and your family. That's how amazing God is. It's for every generation and for every direction. And it reaches so far beyond our imagination. His plan for you, his plan for me, his plan for the bookers, his plan for this generation will so far outlive us that we can't even imagine all that he wants to do through us. As a matter of fact, God is doing things now to set up your children and your grandchildren for his purposes. He has a plan and he wants to use us. And the Bible says that Abraham fell on his face and laughed. That word there is sahach. You want to say it? Sahach. Yeah, it's good. I like how they, they do that. Super cool. Sahach. And, and it means to laugh outright. And so imagine, if you will, Abraham, he falls to the ground and he's laughing like, really, God? This is amazing. Okay, this is too good to be true. And he's giggling like he's laughing at the, the prospect that perhaps God's been true to his word in my life. I'm a friend of his and this is gonna happen, but... But he is 100 years old, and Sarah is 90, and so he says, okay, this is going to work out. I see your plan now. I have a son, Ishmael. I have a son through Hagar, and how about this all happens through him? God says, nope, you're still not getting it, buddy. <laughs> he says, nope, I am going to give you a son through Sarah. And I want you to name him Isaac. Then in Genesis 18, the angel of the Lord tells Abraham, go ahead and get your calendar out, pick up your iPhone. You can set it a year in advance because a year from now, Sarah is gonna have a son. And Sarah, she's good at helping God out, but she's also good at eavesdropping. How many of you women know? Like when, when, when our kids were little and we would have meetings in our home, board meetings or meetings with people, we would literally have to tell Lily to go upstairs. And sometimes we would see her, we'd walk around to the kitchen. She's like peeking over the banister, trying to hear what was going on in our house. And I'd snap my fingers like, get, get out of here. Because us females, we have that about us. We like to know what's going on. And so Sarah's over listening and, and she laughs herself. And this isn't a, oh God, you're so great kind of laugh. This is a, are you out of your ever living mind kind of laugh? Like she is thinking this is funny, not funny. Funny, not funny. I'm old. We old. This is impossible. And what you have to understand now is about 25 years has passed since that original covenant. 25 years she's been hoping and praying and believing God. 25 years is a long time. And I'll be honest, if at 90 years old, someone said I was going to have a baby, I would laugh too. And I would laugh that, are you kidding me? Are you out of your mind kind of laugh? 
Anybody else laugh that way with me? But isn't that how God does it? Isn't that how God seems to always do it? He's saying, I know you don't feel like it. I know that you think it's beyond you. I know that you think this is all too big for you, but God, he does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called and he chooses whom he chooses. And I believe that the fact that you are here today in this service, hearing this messages means that God is choosing you and he wants to use you and every part of your story. The wind and he wants to use the losses because it sounds crazy, doesn't it? It just sounds crazy that he would want to use it all. But if you had not lost, I mean, if I had not lost some things, I, wouldn't, I really believe I wouldn't be here today. I don't think I would be standing in this pulpit. I don't think that we would be the pastors of this church. Had everything gone the way we thought it was supposed to go and how things were supposed to happen and a calling we received a long time ago. But here's what's so awesome. God uses it all. And he had to, we had to lose and say goodbye to some things to get us here. And what's very interesting about God is some of those promises and the gifts and the callings that he gave us way back had nothing to do with that middle spot. It had everything to do with where we are today and what God has on the horizon for this group of people. Sometimes those tough times become the best times. The best times because God will use it for his purpose. You might be going through a tough time. You might be disappointed You might believe and feel like all hope is lost, but don't you dare give up on God. Don't you dare give up on God because you're somewhere between the unmet and the unyet. And while you're walking it out with Jesus, he is working it out because he always has the final say. So Abraham laughed. And Sarah laughed. (laughs) And they were told to name their son Isaac, whose name means, can you guess it? Laughter. It means laughter. But if you're a big nerd like I am, and you dig deeper, you dig real deep into like the original root word of that word in Hebrew, it actually means when you laugh at your enemy. When you laugh at your enemy, and we know that the enemy has come against this generation. I'm talking 30 years and under. The enemy has come at this generation with all the forces of hell because he knows his time is short. He knows that Jesus is coming back soon. And so he's pulling everything he can out of his bag of tricks. Eating disorders, depression, addictions, suicide. But Psalms 2-4, I love this. Somebody ought to get excited. Tells that he who sits on the throne in heaven will laugh. Oh, I'm gonna have to, I gotta have more than that. Are you understanding? We're talking about the God of the universe, the God who is in control of all things. It looks dark, it looks bleak, it 
hiding behind some celestial ramparts. He's not counting every enemy and calculating whether or not he has sufficient force to counter these new challenges to his kingdom. Listen, he does not even rise from where he is sitting. The Bible says he is sitting there ruling over heaven and earth and he simply laughs at the enemy and the tactics of man. I'm laughing at the one who's come against you. He's not going to win. He's made a promise and he will do what he says he will do. The angel of the Lord asked Abram, is anything too hard for our Lord? Is anything too difficult for them? He can do things. No purpose of his can be thwarted. His word never fails. It never fails, but it accomplishes everything that God sent it to accomplish. His words are truth. And when he makes a promise, he will be sure to fulfill it. Listen, folks, God has something on the horizon and I'm going to need some mothers and I'm going to need some fathers and I'm going to need some teachers and students. I'm going to need some police officers. I'm going to need some city leaders. I'm going to need some stay at home moms and some nurses and people who have influence in their sphere. I'm going to need them to act like they believe that God is getting ready to pour out his spirit on our sons and on our daughters because his word says it's going to happen. Either you're going to believe it or you're not, but we're going to take him at his word. These kids, this generation have been through hell. They've been raised without fathers. They've been addicted. They've been messed up sexually and twisted up mentally. They look like a barren generation. That's what it looks like. But God said, not only am I going to give them a promise, they are going to carry that promise. He is putting an anointing on our students and on this generation to be carriers of the promise and not just them. Don't think you're getting out of it just because you're a little older. Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100 and he says, I'm going to make you a carrier of my promise. I have a plan and a purpose for you to be a carrier of healing and hope and restoration. And I say that we have staked and claimed this territory for God's purposes and that the enemy that hell cannot have our children he cannot have our city he cannot have our schools he cannot have our region he cannot have I-75 and this corridor we say no we stake our claim we take this territory for Jesus for Jesus every direction, every generation. He says, look around from where you are. Look around from where you are to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. Every generation, all the land that you see, I'm going to give to you and your offspring. That's every generation. I'm going to give that to you forever. We do stake our claim. We believe that God has a plan for us and he has staked his claim over us and he's given promises 
and we're gonna be carriers of that promise. Thank you so much for tuning in to the message. If you desire to grow deeper in your faith, we want to help you. Text the word GROW to 419-495-6802. You can also stay up to date on everything coming up by checking out limafirst.church and hitting the events tab. Lastly, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future LFC content. We'll see you next time.